Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Continue in our study of the book of Acts. So if you want to turn to Acts, uh, anybody know where we're at tonight? Anybody know where we're at in Acts? Acts 2, we're opening up. Acts 2, we love this chapter. Amen. What what can you learn from Acts 2? I think we've chewed it up, digested it. That's the good thing about the Word of God. Every time you look at it, you can look at it and find new things. Amen. Maybe in a different season, it speaks to you in a different way. Amen. So we're going to look at the portion of Scripture tonight from Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 and going through verse 12. Uh, Your memory verse for the coming week is going to be Acts 2, 1 through 4. Most of you probably already know it, just in case you don't. Did I miss an announcement? Everybody wave. I don't think think she can see you back. Amen. I, I saw something out the corner of my eye moving. I was like, what? That's all right. That was fun. A little interactive Bible study tonight. Amen. Acts chapter 2. Let's do this. Let's read 1 through 4, and then you can be seated, and I'll, I'll keep standing up. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of the rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon all of them, each of them. And they were all, you see that word all appearing a lot, don't you? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Continuing on, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this, what this, that had taken place, had, uh, within the upper room was noised abroad. The multitude came together and were confounded. They were confused because they heard people speaking in their native languages. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these that speak Galileans? And how ha- hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and all the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Amen. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Amen. The English Standard Version uh, defines or gives the caption, the heading to this portion of Scripture as the coming of of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to uh, begin just, we're going to start there at the very top. And uh, the word that captured my attention early last week, and I had begun studying this, and then Brother Wilson preached on Sunday morning, and then I talked to my dad and uh, my brother-in-law, Eric, Brother Haldeman, who's now the uh, pastor there in D.C., or is that the official title? He's a pastor there in D.C., uh, on Sunday, he preached in D.C. about this time tomorrow. He preached from the prophet who, in the midst of a famine, said that about this time tomorrow, everything's going to change. I think there is a, this isn't just, there was no choreography between these, uh, what I was studying and what Brother Wilson preached and Brother Haldeman. There was no conversation between us. Heaven is speaking to his church. Amen. God, God is speaking to the church today and he's saying, get ready. Because it's, it's now, amen, things are about to change, amen. That dry climate, amen, that dry climate where it seemed like nobody wanted to hear the truth, I believe is being replaced by a climate where people are hungry to hear the word of God. They're hungry for truth, amen. And so the word that, that I'm going to focus on a lot tonight is the word suddenly, amen, suddenly. In our modern culture, we are infatuated and obsessed with suddenly. How many of you would be honest and say that you're a little impatient? 
I don't think it's possible to be alive in this culture, in this hour, and not be a little bit impatient. Amen. Just as uh, an illustration, well, let me, you know, when I don't, you know, if I order something in the mail, uh, first of all, we don't even, snail mail is kind of an old thing now, right? We get email. And if somebody sends us an email and we haven't gotten it within a few minutes, we're checking in cyber world what's wrong. Something's wrong. I should have gotten that message minutes ago, seconds ago. It should have gotten here. And if we don't get a message within minutes, right, go back to Pony Express. Right, if you rewind the history of mail, where it all started with Pony Express, amen. If you didn't, you know, a couple of weeks went by and you hadn't got it, then you started to worry. But but it, there was no immediate expectation. But we live in a day and an hour where suddenly is not just it's not just a, a, a something that's good. It's almost an expectation that we get what we want and we get it suddenly. So, in an illustration, in preparing for this teaching, I googled. This phrase, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and within less than a second, I received 120 million results. All right, 120 million results in less than one second. I think it was like uh, uh, 0.53, so I think it was like 53rd, 53rd of a second. I think is the right way to say that. All right, that that's that's quick for 100. And I mean, imagine before the internet. You'd have had to go to the, the library and search through all of those books to find those results. And now in less than a second, you get 120 million different results. If that's not enough, and again, just for illustration purposes, I went on to what has kind of become the latest craze, and that is chat AI. If you know what, uh, what do they call it? What's the, what's the, uh, no, the, the AI, what's that stand for? Artificial intelligence, all right? And yeah, ChatGP, I think, is the, the place, the website you can go to. And again, this was just for illustration purposes, but I asked it, I've typed in there, provide me an outline on the topic of the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. I typed that in, and within 10 seconds, it provided me a five-point outline that I easily, and I did, I'm not going to teach from that because I think that's cheating. A little bit of, a little bit of a shortcut there. I don't, I don't think I'm going to get out what I need to be able to deliver to you by taking those shortcuts, but it was a very well put together outline that I could have stood here tonight and taught from. In less than 10 seconds, it gave me those results. We have iPhones that enable us to make immediate contact. Right This morning at about 8 o'clock, we got a, a FaceTime call from Brooke. I don't know how many thousands of miles away she is in Athens right now, but I was able to, to see and talk to my daughter uh, you know, instantly I was able to talk to her and, and see her face that was there. With Amazon Prime, how many of you are Prime fans? You can have almost any product you want within a day or two, right? If it's more than that, we start complaining. Well, why can't I get it sooner? I want to know why can't I get it quicker? I'm sure within time they'll have it to where you can get what you want within a couple of hours. Because we love suddenly. If you want to make a lot of money, figure that out. I guarantee if you can figure how to get people things they want within an hour or two, you'll, you'll be the next Bezos. Is that his name? All right. I think that's the, is that the right name? Bezos. All right. He's, he's, anyway, I've heard he's got a little bit of money. Uh, if you want a little bit of money, figure out how to speed up that process even more. Because we love suddenly. But the suddenly that took place in the book of Acts, when the Bible tells us that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that suddenly there came a sound from heaven. But the suddenly that took place and that takes place in the life of the child of God is not an Amazon, Amazon Prime suddenly. It is not in ChatGP or ChatGPI. It's not artificial intelligence suddenly. It's not a Google search suddenly. It is the suddenly that takes place in Acts chapter 2 and the suddenly that takes place in the life of the child of God is not the result of somebody typing something in a search engine. It is the result of a process. Amen? It is the result of a process. We want God to do something suddenly. But I want to tell you, God suddenly is the result of a process that we engage in, that we allow God to work in our lives. The word suddenly, if you look it up in the dictionary, means quick and without warning. Amen? All of you that have ever parented two-year-olds, you know what suddenly is. You hear the pots and pans clanging around in there and somehow that child found their way into that, that cabinet that you had like 
uh, you know, Fort Knox code on how to get into that, yet they found a way to crack the code, and they got in there and pulled something down that suddenly we weren't expecting it. It was quick and without warning. The original Greek word that is used is the word ofno, and it's defined as pertaining to a very brief interval. Amen. It's all right. That was sudden. Mom didn't see that coming. All right, the word ofno is defined as pertaining to a, a very brief interval in the state or event that precedes and the one that follows it. So there's a short window. That's what suddenly is. The Greek word that is used there, ofno, is saying there's a brief, a, a very brief interval between what preceded and what follows. All right, there's not much space in between. It's suddenly. Often we use suddenly to describe a, 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 a surprise event that simply occurs without any provocation. It just springs on us out of nowhere. Anybody ever check your bank account and suddenly you were out of money? Right? You went to, you went to the, 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 the drive-thru and you gave them your card and they said, Sir, something seems to be wrong with our machine. <laughs> Amen. It's been doing this all day. They're just trying to make you feel better. All right? Amen. Suddenly, it just how in the world did that happen? I'm going to tell you how it happened. You swiped it a few too many times. All right, it, it really was not all that sudden at all. And, and in that sense, nothing that God does is suddenly. All right, it's, it, it's not going to happen without some, a process taking place. It may be sudden as far as the moment that it occurs, and it may be sudden in our experience, but with God, there is no suddenly. Amen? Verse 2, suddenly, this sudden occasion came in a moment but it was the product of many different elements that led to a sudden experience. And they're in that upper room and suddenly there comes a sound from heaven and, 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 and a, an event that changed humanity and the relationship between humanity and God forever took place in that room. How many of you tonight would like God to do a sudden event and a sudden work in your life? Amen. A quick event where things change instantaneously. Well, can I tell you, that with God, there is no sudden without a process taking place. Amen. When you aren't around to witness the process, it may appear sudden to you. If you weren't aware of the promise, then it might appear that it is sudden to you. If, we're, if we weren't aware, if we just opened our Bibles and we turned to Acts chapter 2 and we read, man, suddenly. But, but if you know about the scripture, you know that a long time before that that sudden moment, there were prophets talking about that moment a long time before it ever took place. Amen? But if you're not there to see the process, it looks... How many of you ever... Well, anyway, I'm going to get ahead of myself in my notes. It's like when you go see that great aunt. You see great aunt Sue at the family reunion. Right? I'm, I'm trying... I don't know. Sue's probably... Maybe somebody here has a great aunt Sue. And, and aunt Sue walks up and, and she has this shocked look on her face and... She looks bewildered, and, and, and she says something about, wow, look how big you've gotten. To, to, to Aunt Sue, it's like you, you, got, you grew two feet tall overnight. But, but Aunt Sue, I didn't just get this way. It's been happening. Over time, I've been, this has been unfolding in my life through, through a process. Why? Because Aunt Sue wasn't around to see the process, and so what she sees looks like it was a sudden thing, but really it was the result of a process. The Chinese bamboo tree will grow as a seed under the soil for five years with no visible growth. You can't see it. You could never tell that that bamboo, that anything was happening. But for five years, all the while, that seed has been germinating. It's been receiving strength and it's been getting energy from that soil. It's been soaking up the moisture from the ground all around it. But nothing visible is happening. And then all of a sudden, after five years of nothing, that stalk will shoot out of the ground, and in the next five weeks, that bamboo tree can grow up to 90 feet in five weeks. How many of you say that suddenly? Why? Why? Because you, you didn't see the process. To you, it looks like it grew 90 feet in five weeks. One wise man was asked how these trees can grow 90 feet tall in five weeks. His response was, it didn't grow 90 feet in five weeks. It grew 90 feet in five years in five weeks because just because you didn't see the process doesn't mean it wasn't growing. It was the process 
that produced the suddenly, amen? And it's the same in our lives today, amen? It is the process. You may look at somebody and you see the victory that they've got in their lives and you say, wow, look at that quick work God did in them. But I promise you, if you look beneath the soil, there was a process that was at place in their life. And if we're not careful, we get envious that we get envious of others because we look at them and we say, wow, look at that sudden work that God did. Look at how blessed they are. Look at that thing that God did for them. But I promise you that there was a process that they endured before the sudden took place. And Acts chapter 2, verse 1, that suddenly that is there was the result of a process. Let's walk through the process. First of all, The first step in the process was promise. Amen? The Holy Ghost didn't just happen in Acts chapter 2. It had been promised a long time before that. First of all, in one chapter preceding, Jesus had promised them. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait there. Amen? Tarry there for the promise that's going to come. Amen? He said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Amen? It didn't just happen in Acts chapter 2. Jesus said it was going to happen in Acts chapter 1. But this, this was not the first time. When Jesus talked about it in Acts chapter 1, that wasn't the first time the Holy Ghost was ever talked about in the Bible. Old Testament prophets foretold this promise that was coming. Isaiah chapter 32 verse 15. Isaiah writes and says, Until the Spirit be poured out upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. What is Isaiah prophesying? The Spirit is going to be poured out. I don't know how many hundreds, thousands of years before the upper room that was, amen, but it didn't just happen. There was a process that started with a promise. And if some of you have a promise from God, you need to know that's where the process begins. Amen, you need to know that's where the process begins. If you, well, I don't have a promise from God. Yes, you do. You didn't know it, but you're holding on to it right now. This book is full of the promises of God. Amen. And if you're in a covenant relationship with God, amen, you've got a book that is full of the promise, and that's where the process begins. So hold on to the promises of God, amen. Don't let go of the promises of God because that's where the process begins. Isaiah 44, verses 3 and 4. For I will pour out upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring and they shall spring up as many I'm sorry they shall spring up as among the grass as willows by the water courses Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 through 27 the prophet Ezekiel says a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you what is he talking about he's talking about what's happening Suddenly in the upper room. Yeah, it happened suddenly, but Ezekiel was talking about it way back then because the process begins with the promise. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I know there are people that look at the Pentecostal religion today and they think that we've got some new revelation. We don't have a new revelation. Ezekiel was talking about it thousands of years ago. Amen. Everything that's happening today in the church, amen, the prophets were talking about it way back then. And and the prophet goes on and says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you, this is what the spirit will do. It will cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. One more, Joel chapter 2 verse 28 through 29, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Say, well, I'm not sure that that's really what they were talking about. Well, Peter tells us that that is what, they were, that what was going on in the upper room. Because Peter, when they ask, what is this? Peter cites this prophetic word of Joel and says, this that you've seen, this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. God is pouring out his spirit. Amen. This is the suddenly that started with a promise. Amen. I want to encourage somebody today that maybe all you have right now is a word from God. Amen. But if you'll stay in the process, a suddenly is coming. I don't know when it's going to be, but suddenly is on its way. If you've got a promise, 
Don't give up. Don't quit. Now's not the time to quit. We're closer to the suddenly than we've ever been. Amen. But you got to stay in the process. Amen. Well, it didn't just stop with the prophets. During his ministry, Jesus promised the outcoming or the, the coming outpouring. John chapter 7, verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. He's saying, don't worry. Amen. You're in the process right now, but suddenly he's on its way. Amen. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. It's going to pour out of your belly like rivers of living water. Amen. Somebody, you got to get a hold of the promise of God because suddenly, tell your neighbor, suddenly is on its way. Amen. We can look at so many different, how about, how about the promise of the coming Messiah? Why, why did people miss it? People missed the suddenly. People missed the moment that the angels appeared in the field to shepherds and said there's a baby being born. Why did they miss it? Because they let go of the promise. They missed the suddenly because they let go of the promise. Hold on to the promises of God. Amen. The old bumper sticker says this, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I believe we could save that bumper sticker companies a little bit of money at the printing shop. Because I think there's one part of that phrase you can take out, God said it, that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, when God says it, that settles it, amen. Here's the part of the process that we need to understand, God's promise determines and settles it. If God said it's going to happen, Amen. It's going to happen. There are different variables that determine whether you get to partake. There are different variables that determine who's going to be in a part of the promise. But when God said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Amen. The second part of the process that produced suddenly was obedience. Amen. Starts with a promise, but the next variable is obedience. Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait there for the coming promise of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I don't know what would have happened if he had showed up and it would have been an empty room. I don't know. But all I know is he said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It could have been two people in that upper room and it still would have happened. Because he said it's going to happen. But our obedience positions us to partake in the suddenly. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15 and 6 tells us that after his death and resurrection... Jesus had been seen by more than 500 people. More than 500 people saw Jesus alive. First, uh, that same passage from the New American Standard ver uh, Version of the Bible. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some of in other words, Paul is writing and saying most of those people are still alive. Some have fallen asleep. 500, everybody say 500. But by the time we get to Acts chapter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 15, there's only 120 that are still there. Amen. What, what does that mean? There were some that not, were not willing to remain in the process. They missed suddenly because they weren't willing to stay in the process. 500 saw Jesus alive, but only 120 were in the upper room. Why? Because some were not willing to, to take beyond the promise and step into obedience. Amen. Can I tell you, not everybody was there for suddenly because the promise alone is not what produces the suddenly. It takes obedience to the, for the promise to produce the suddenly in your life. Amen. God promised it. It's going to happen. But whether it happens for you or not will be determined by your obedience. Amen. If God said in his word that he's going to do something, amen, what you need to do is you need to be obedient to what he told you to do. If the Bible tells us that there's victory in our praise, you know what you need to do? You need to be obedient and you need to give praise unto God. Because that positions you. It could be on a Wednesday night. It could be right now that suddenly takes place. It could be tonight that what prophets spoke about thousands of years ago sweeps through this room tonight and a revival that is unprecedented begins. Amen. But if you're not being obedient, you will miss the suddenly. Amen. 
Not everyone will endure the process that the fulfillment of the promise, 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 how about that, requires. God's promise will come to pass. Regardless of our obedience or disobedience, his promise will come to pass. But our obedience qualifies us to participate and partake in his promises. How many of you would be disappointed if you miss church on a Wednesday night? And the next thing you hear, man, Wednesday night, some of the stuff that Isaiah was talking about happened. The lame got up out of wheelchairs and the blind opened up their eyes and the deaf ears were unstopped. And everybody that was there in that building, amen, that hadn't received the Holy Ghost started speaking with other tongues. Amen, you'd be disappointed. You missed, amen, why? Because you missed your suddenly. I want to tell you, don't miss your suddenly. Amen, get a hold of the promise of God and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be obedient because my obedience qualifies me to participate in God's promises. Amen. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. Amen. If, I'm going to give you the land, but if you be obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. And then the next portion of this process, we talked about at length last week, and that is structure and authority. Amen. After there was obedience, structure and authority were put into place. Right? They came together. They obeyed. He said, go and wait for me in Jerusalem. And they did that. That was obedience. And then, of course, Simon stands up and says, we got to get, get this 12 thing figured out. we got to get apostolic authority established. Amen? One other point that I would note is that God had promised both the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the replacing of Judas for the authority of the church to be in place. Amen? Both of those things, amen, were, were promised both the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the replacing of Judas for the authority of the church to be in place. However, it wasn't God that interrupted the prayer meeting. God said, okay, we talked about last week. I'm trying not to rehash everything, but I don't want to be so vague that if you weren't here last week, you're like, what's he even talking about? Okay, last week we established that, it, that prophecy had been spoken about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, but Peter stood up and said, before he ever said that one, right, he said, wait, it's been prophesied that that, that Judas, you know, he's going he's gonna to decline the bishopric. And, and we've got to, it's been prophesied that when that happens, we've got to put somebody new in place. All right? So both of those things have been uh, prophesied that those things are going to have to happen. However, it was not God that interrupted the, the, the prayer meeting that was taking place to ensure, right? Simon Peter stands up. They're all praying together. And Simon interrupts it and says, hold on, we've got to take care of authority we got to get structure and authority in place. God didn't do that. God didn't shut down the prayer meeting and say, hold on, we've got to get authority in place. It was Peter that stood up and said, we've got to get authority in place. Amen. Can I tell you, God has put in place authority. He has provided structure for the church, but he's left it in the hands of men to ensure that structure is being upheld. I believe it is the duty of the body of Christ. It is the duty of the ministry. It is the duty of the clergy. And it is the duty of the laity in the church to decide that we're not going to let chaos reign in this church. Amen. But we're going to make sure that structure and authority are in place. said, well, if God wanted there to be authority, he'd come down. No, he didn't do it in the upper room, and he's not going to do it now. He's leaving it to men to make sure that there is authority in place. Amen. And so the promise settles it. Our obedience qualifies us to partake of it. Structure and authority ensure the impact of his promise. Amen. The Holy Ghost outpouring was not just... I believe this. I believe that there had not been proper structure in place. If they hadn't replaced Judas and got that apostolic authority in place, I believe there still would have been a great outpouring in that upper room. But I believe that many times like it does with us, it would have kind of fizzled out to nothing. Because authority makes sure that the impact is what it's supposed to be. That it didn't just die in an upper room. It wasn't just an emotional thing that fizzled out. But it spread and it multiplied and it expanded. Why? Because there was authority in place. Amen? Amen. The next part of the process is unity. Everybody say unity. Amen. Twice the unity of those gathered in the upper room, it is illuminated. 
in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, and then again in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And both times it speaks of them being in one accord and in one place. All right? And it's easy to lean on the importance of one or the other. Right? So the accord is talking about a mindset. Accord is unity of heart, unity of mind, unity of purpose. And that's important. We need to be unified in our purpose. But they weren't just unified in their purpose. They were also unified in the place that they were in. Amen? And it's easy to lean on the importance of one or the other. Well, we've got unity of mind. We, you know, we have a unified spirit in this church. And, and maybe downplay the necessity of us being unified by coming together. Right? During the pandemic, it was emphasized I believe overemphasize that the building is not the church, right? That we don't have to be together to be the church. That each of us individually are the temple of the Lord. And, 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 and you know, we don't need to be in a building together to be, you know, uh, unified in our purpose. Amen. I, I believe that was really a spiritualizing of fear is what that was. Well, I agree that this building is not the temple. It is simply the place that we, it is, however, not simply, but it is the place that we come together to worship, to pray, to study the word, and that should not be minimized. Amen. Yes, we need to be together in purpose, and we need to be unified in heart, but we cannot downplay the need for us to be together physically in this place. We need to come together. Amen. So much the more as you see the day approaching, we cannot forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. We don't have to sacrifice unity of spirit to be in unity together in this building. We need both. On the other side of the coin, we can't emphasize just us coming to this building, but we can be in division in our spirits and our hearts. That, that either one of those is a mistake. Yes, we need to be in the building together, but we also need to be unified in our purpose and in our mission. Amen. Coming together while not being united in mind and spirit will not produce that sudden fulfillment of God's promises. And so unity, all right, if the promise settles it, and if obedience qualifies us to participate in it, and if structure ensures the impact of the promise, here's what unity does. Unity establishes the place that we are in to be the place that God's promise will be fulfilled. Amen. That's the next part of the process. I, I believe this. If the church cannot get unified in this hour, God will go somewhere else. If, if the church is full of division and strife and, and, and that takes on so many different forms, it can take on jealousy, it can take on racism, it can take on many different forms. But I'm going to tell you, if the church cannot be unified, God is going to move on and find another group of people that are unified. Amen? Well, I, I'm not just making that up. Turn to your Bibles to Psalms chapter 133. Amen. Psalms chapter 133 talks about how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in... For brethren to dwell together in... Not just to dwell together, but to dwell together in, all right, you got it, unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion for there. Everybody say for there. Where? In the place of unity. God said, I found a place of unity, and in that place is where I'm going to command my blessing. I believe it was the unity in the upper room that, got, that caused that to be the place that God said, this is the place that I will command my blessing. Living hope, we've got to get in unity. We've got to put aside the differences, and we've got to put our offenses under the blood. Hallelujah. Here's the deal. We all think that we should do that until it comes to our offense. And then all of a sudden we can justify it. Well, my offense isn't really that big of a deal. And my, you know, the issue that I got with my brother or sister isn't what's hindering revival. Amen. I want to tell you, unity, it's either unity or it's nothing. It's either unity or it's division. There is no degree of unity. And so that means every person in this room, if we're going to be the place that God does a suddenly work, we've got to get in unity in this church. Amen. There can't be any division. We've got to get offenses under the blood. We've got to get grudges under the blood. Amen. We We've got to get those things that divide the body under the blood. Why? Because I want this to be the place. 
I want this to be the place that God commands. God, if you're going to do suddenly somewhere, do it here. I feel the Holy, I know it's Wednesday night, but I believe if every one of us would raise our hands toward heaven, uh, amen, and in unity we would cry out unto God. Uh, I believe that we have qualified ourselves to be a place uh, that God is going to command his blessing. And even as I say that, and I'm, I'm not picking, but there are some that ain't going to raise their hand, and that's what unity doesn't look like. But it's when every person says, come on, let's do this so that we can be in unity, so that God will command his blessing in this place. Come on, God's looking for unity. Where, where am I going to do suddenly? I've been prophesying about it. I've been telling you that it was coming, but I'm looking for a place where there's unity, where skin color doesn't matter, and how much money you make doesn't matter. Amen. But I'm looking for a people that can be unified. Lord, I pray it in the name of Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God wants somebody in this place. You need to let go of your grudge. You need to put that offense under the blood of Jesus. You need to forgive even as God has forgiven you. Come on, I, I, I believe the Spirit of God is trying to deal with some things tonight. Come on, we've got to let go of some things that are hindering us from that suddenly work of God. In the name of Jesus, if, you're, if you've got a grudge against a brother or a sister, amen, it doesn't matter. I know we can, even as I say that, amen, that the, the temptation is in our minds. We begin to justify, well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know that look that they gave me. They, they walked right by me. It didn't say hi to me. And we begin to justify why we've got that offense. But I, I don't care what the reason is. Either we're in unity or we're divided. Either we put our offenses under the blood and we ask God, God, give me the grace to forgive them even as you have forgiven me. Little survey here. How many of you God's forgiven you for some bad stuff that you wouldn't ever want to anybody to get in this microphone and tell what you've done? Amen. I, I'm number one. I, there are things I've done, and I'm so thankful that God, and yet we, in and, and the parable in the scripture, Jesus talked about the man that was forgiven for a great sum, a great debt of a great sum, and then he went and found somebody that owed him a meager amount, and he had him thrown into the prison because he owed him just, and that's what we do. Amen. God forgives us for sins that we wouldn't even want named, and yet we hold on to grudges over small things. We hold on to a bitterness over small. Can I ask you right now, would you forgive in the measure that Christ has forgiven you? Would you let go of that grudge and stop holding that person over the fire and let go of that thing even as Christ has forgiven you so that we can see some suddenly things happen in this church? Why don't you raise your hands and say, God, give me the grace to forgive. Even right now, Lord, I'm forgiving. If you did me wrong, I forgive you. Hallelujah, I'm letting go of the grudge. I'm letting go of bitterness. I'm letting go of the offense. I'm emptying my spirit out right now, Lord. And even as you have forgiven me, so I'm forgiving those that have, that have done me wrong, Lord. As you've forgiven my debts, I'm forgiving my debtors. Because unity establishes this as the place where God's promise. I'm going to do suddenly somewhere. Come on, I'm going to do suddenly somewhere. I'm just looking for a group of people that, that are unified so I can do that suddenly there. I believe suddenly is on its way. Come on, I believe God is getting this church ready for suddenly. Come on, Brother Wilson, it's now. God is getting his church. He talked to us on Sunday. He's talking to us tonight. God is getting, he's saying, get ready, living hope. Now is coming. Now is coming. I've been preparing you for a while. Now is coming. But if we want to be the place where now happens, we've got to be unified. Yeah. Hallelujah. So to summarize, God's promise determines it. Our obedience qualifies us to participate. Structure and authority ensures the impact. And unity establishes this as the place where it will be fulfilled. And yet, there is one final ingredient to the process. And out of all that I've mentioned, this is the one we probably don't like the most.
or we like the least might be the better way to say it, and that is God's timing. You can be as obedient as you want, and you should. Amen. You can have the authority and structure. You can have the promise. Amen. You can have unity. You can have all of that. But it was not until the day of Pentecost was fully come. God has a calendar in heaven. Amen. There, there is a calendar in heaven that you and I don't know about, but in heaven, God knows. Amen. There are some dates he has circled on heaven's calendar for this church. Amen. There are some dates he has circled on his calendar for your family. There are some dates he has circled on his calendar for the United States, for humanity. And I don't know, but I feel like we're getting close to something big. Amen. But God is saying, if you'll get ready, my timing is about to come to pass. The day of Pentecost is about to be fully come. There is no doubt that this particular moment on the calendar of heaven had been preordained for the outpouring. This was not coincidence. It wasn't, you know, just, well, that looks like a good day to do it. it, it if you study any, if, and I'm just going to give you a little glimpse into what happened, what, what Pentecost was about. God chose that specifically. Pentecost was the celebration and the anniversary of the day that Moses stood atop Mount Sinai. And there, the finger of God reached into that tablet and he wrote his, the commandments given to humanity. He wrote those on that tablet of stone. Amen. That was the celebration of the giving of covenant. That was the celebration of the giving of commandment. Can I tell you, God didn't give commandment to, to curse humanity. God said, I'm giving, I'm giving commandment to bless you in the promised land. God doesn't put law and commandment on you to curse you. He puts commandment on you so that you know how to handle his blessings. And when the day of Pentecost, God got his finger out again. And he said, this time I'm not going to write my commandment on tablets of stone. This time I'm going to write my commandments on your heart. Amen. This time I'm going to reach down into the heart of humanity. And I'm going to write on your heart. Amen. Jeremiah 31, 31, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband to them, saith the Lord, but this, everybody say, but this. This shall be the covenant that I make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law on their inward part, and I will write in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will. What was he talking about? The day of Pentecost. I'm going to reach. When you get the Holy Ghost, you don't just jibber-jabber. Amen. The finger of God writes upon your heart. Amen. And gives you his commandment so that you can live in the promised land. Come on, come on, God's timing, God's timing when the day of Pentecost was fully come. If you didn't know much about that, you'd think, man, this is just a random day. Why today? Why, why, the, why the noise and the, the wind and the fire and the tongues? Why today? But you see, there's always purpose in God's timing. God's promise will come to pass. We will be there to possess it if we're obedient. Amen. If there is established authority and unity, it will suddenly come to pass in God's time. Amen. Again, we look at people and we look from the outside and like that bamboo tree. At, Man, wow, look at suddenly what happened. No, no. It, it didn't suddenly happen. There was a process that took place. Amen. It, it, it happened suddenly, but it happened because God said it, because somebody was obedient. I, a sinner can run down to this altar and be obedient, and in that moment, because there is obedience, God can transform that life, but it takes obedience. It takes the process. I don't care who you are tonight, how bad you sin, how far you've gone. I want you to know if you'll get involved in the process, amen, God can speak and there can be a sudden, a sudden, amen, a sudden transformation. Do we still believe that? Do we still believe that we serve a God that changes lives? He still sets the captive free, but you've got to get in the process. Hallelujah. 
Amen. And can we just thank the Lord right now for the process? Can you thank him right now for the promise? Come on, can you thank him that we're that God is unifying, come on, suddenly is on its way. I don't know. I don't know what's written on the calendar of heaven. All I know is I'm in the process. All I know is when suddenly does happen, I'm going to be in the right place. Amen. I'm going to be in the right process so that when suddenly happens, I can partake. Why not this Sunday, Holy Ghost? Come on, Jesus. Why not, why, why not on a Wednesday night? Why not on a... Why not Sunday morning God begin to speak into this church and do things that have been prophesied for thousands of years that God was going to do it? Why not on Sunday? I don't know, but I just want to be there. When it happens, I want to be there. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm, I'm just going to kind of wrap up going through this portion of Scripture. That was kind of the, the meat of what I felt the Holy Ghost wanted to speak to us through that word. So I just... Turn to your neighbor right now and tell him, stay in the process. Hallelujah. You, you need, if, well, I don't have any promises, Pastor. Have you, have you owned a Bible? Amen. If you don't own a Bible, you don't have a really good excuse. They're, they're pretty easy to get a hold of these days. Amen. Open up that book and find you some promises that God has made, and then hold on to the promises of God. Amen. Be obedient. Get engaged in the body of Christ. Be unified with what Don't be one of those sitting around wondering what happened. Wondering what's going on in the church. Be a part of what's going on in the church. Be a part of unity. Amen. The, the final couple of points that I would just, I almost feel like it's a, uh, uh, brother, uh, brother Wilson, I don't know what they call it in music. It's the opposite of a crescendo. Decrescendo. I feel like we're just going to kind of decrescendo, but it, it's, it's, still, it's still scripture, so it's good. Amen. But the Bible says there came a sound from heaven. Everybody say from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting in. The principle that I would bring to us here, and what the, the move of God starts in heaven and fills the house. Amen. It's not what fills the house that moves heaven, it's what moves from heaven that fills the house. Amen. And in modern Christianity, I think there's so much emphasis on what fills the house, right? If we'll get the right lighting and, and we'll get the sound at just the right level, if the praise team would sing in the right key, and if the drummer would, and if we can get Eric on that right shouting music beat, if we can get that, if we can get everything in the house right, then we can move heaven, huh? amen, but what we need in 2023 is not something that starts in the house, huh? amen, we need something that starts in heaven and moves into the house. I'm not against lighting, I'm not against sound, I'm not against any of that. Thank God for all of it, but I want something that starts in heaven to fill this house. Amen, I want something that starts in heaven. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house. Hallelujah, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. Somebody say each of them, and they were all. Filled. Not some of them, not a few of them, not the majority of them, not most of them, but all filled with the Holy Ghost and all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. These are central scriptures in this portion of scripture. Thus the title that was given by whomever chooses what a segment of scripture will be titled, they decided that these 12 passages would be summarized by the coming of the Holy Spirit. This was the reason. What took place right here in verses 3 and 4 was the reason that Jesus had told them, don't leave Jerusalem. Amen. There is a promise that is coming. Amen. This was the fulfillment of the promise. And notice that the cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them. And they were all, everybody say all, filled with the Holy Ghost. And they all began to speak with other tongues. Everybody that had been waiting in Jerusalem had the same experience. Jesus told them, go and don't leave. It wasn't like 50% of them spoke with tongues and 25% prophesied and another 25% spun around and did the whirly bird. No, all of them spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. There wasn't 10% singing hymns while the other 90% spoke with other tongues. The evidence that they had been filled with the Holy Ghost was that all of them, every one of them spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Amen. Can we thank the Lord right now that the Holy Ghost is still for us today? 
And the same way, the same evidence for them in the upper room is the same evidence today that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in another language. Amen. You're going to speak in an unknown tongue. And what it's going to be, you're going to be declaring the mighty works, the wonderful works of God. Amen. The Holy Ghost was poured out upon all that had obeyed the command of Jesus to remain. So let's look at just, in in closing, let's look at just a segment of this crowd that the Holy Ghost was poured out upon. It was poured out upon Simon Peter, who had just a few days prior denied Jesus. It was poured out on Thomas, who had doubted the resurrection of Jesus. It was poured out upon Mary, who had conceived the seed of the Holy Ghost. She had given birth to this holy child. It was poured out upon the disciple that had leaned on Jesus during the Last Supper. In other words, you can't be so bad of a mess. Amen. You can't be so, uh, so bad of a mess or mess up so bad that the gift of the Holy Ghost is not for you. Amen. Simon had denied Jesus, and yet on the day of Pentecost, he spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utter. Mary had given birth to Jesus. Amen. The seed of the Holy Ghost. And guess what? Even Mary, on the day of Pentecost, she spoke with other tongues. So you can't be so bad that you don't need it, and you can't be so good that you don't need it. Amen. No matter who you are, what brought you in the house, you need the Holy Ghost. I want us to raise our hands all around this room. God, would you do a suddenly work in this house tonight? We need the coming of the Holy Ghost. God, our world doesn't need better religion. Our world doesn't need what fills the house to move heaven. Our world needs what's in heaven to fill the house. Our world needs the Holy Ghost. God, we need the outpouring of your spirit. And so, Lord, we place ourselves in the process. God, we get a hold of the promises that you've given to us. I don't care how bad you've messed up, the Holy Ghost is for you. I don't care, you may have been doubting Thomas, you may have denied that Jesus Christ could ever have been resurrected. You may be filled with doubt and fear, denial, but the Holy Ghost is for you. You might be the most righteous in the house tonight, whomever that is. I I certainly wouldn't want to profess that. I think the Bible calls that self-righteousness. You might be the best person, you may have never committed a sin. What you don't know is you were born in sin. I don't care how good you are, you need the Holy Ghost. Not a one-time outpouring. You need the Holy Ghost every day you live. You need a fresh refilling of the Holy Ghost tonight. we, We need a fresh move of God tonight as the praise team comes and helps me. I just want us to raise our hands together right now and say, God, we want suddenly. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going away.